Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Oh, 6th of June, good to have your company here, 12 till 3, afternoons with Staffy. Fantastic to have your company, me and Sammy. We'll take you through the next three hours and, of course, the run home from 3 to 6 as well. So much has happened since I was here on Friday. Big thank you to the management for giving me yesterday off, for allowing me to stay the night after the netball final Sunday night. Um, uh, drove back to Papamo and then drove back to Auckland yesterday. Back to Auckland yesterday, so it was uh, very nice, and I trust you all had a fantastic extended holiday. There were a heap of you leaving Auckland on Friday, along with me. A lot to the Coromandel, a lot to the north, both sides of the motorway. Absolutely chocker at 4.30, so I hope you had a a great time. Got to watch a little bit of sport, or a lot of sport, because the weather wasn't too... Too fruity, was it? So much to talk about. So instead of a subject specific, you can fill the airwaves with your thoughts. So many things happen. Kane's Crusaders. 19-3, the Crusaders were up. Has anyone chased down a 16-point lead and toppled the Crusaders before? I don't know. I don't know. I watched that game. I watched all the Warriors game. I watched all the Kane's Crusaders games. Um, what else did I watch? I watched the highlights of the draw. I watched a lot of highlights, not not entire games. Um, so tell me about the Super Rugby. Uh, which quarter final are you looking forward to most? For me, it's the Brumbies and the Hurricanes because I think that one's up in the air. I think the other three pick themselves. Monumental upset if any of the favoured home teams uh, lose that, which is the Crusaders, the Blues, and the Chiefs. But the Hurricanes, Brumbies, for me, has so much intrigue. Hurricanes having to go to Canberra which is a hard place to play. It's very close in the market. I'll talk to um, Brenda Popperwell about that later on as well. Kaikara France getting stiffed by two judges which have a reputation and history of being uh, below par if you talk to MMA fans, UFC fans. Um, so, yeah, look, tell us any. Rob Penny confirmed as the next Crusaders coach. I also see the Chiefs have confirmed... Uh, Roger Randall and David Hill as assistants. That's as far as they've gone. There's probably two more to be confirmed. So, uh, gosh, it's a moving landscape. Highlight of the weekend, 
Warriors game was just fantastic. What an atmosphere at Glowbox Stadium Mount Smart. But we're going to chuck the lines open. 0800 150 811. Uh, also, we're going to be talking uh, some, well, we'll talk NBA during, this, during the show as well with uh, it being one all, Denver and Miami. And we also have Warren Smith, Fox League commentator, Brett Phillips, SEN tennis guru and commentator. We'll revisit Show Me The Money. We'll have a look back in the day. We'll find out what's making news. We've got so much stuff to cover. But it's all about you this first hour. 0800 150 811. Give us a yell. Well, listen, buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. One other thing I wanted to point out was Ryan Fox in the weekend, seven over first round, way down in 90th. I thought he's cooked. Can't make the cut. Made the cut and finished around 30th, 33rd, tied. Incredible performance for him to be behind behind the eight ball and come back with a finish like that. It's just fantastic. US Open beckons this weekend. Let's go to the phones. Life member kicks it off this week. Zaid. G'day, Zaid. Uh, yeah, good afternoon. What do you got um, on your mind? Obviously, a bit of a hard one for Kai on um, Sunday Arbu. I think the judges were... Uh, obviously, the judges were a bit against him, but um, I guess that's sport. And, um, yeah, um, obviously, I think Dana White kind of wanted that result to happen, it seems, from um, his, com- his um, you know, conference after the fight. Um, obviously, the Blues result wasn't the best against the Highlanders. looked a bit... Um, but Messi, um, but and then obviously Tui Pelotu's broken his arm, so mm. the locking locking stops aren't looking too good either. I'm not sure if Ken would message in, but he probably will soon. If Sofa was available or not, I'm pretty sure Darry's out as well. So I don't know what we're going to have to do with the loose forwards this weekend. But might I have think to move Tom, Tom Robinson to lock. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not. I think. There might only be Tucker really left, the only specialist really there. Um, so I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, well, that will be interesting. But, yeah, obviously great result for Fiji and Drua over the Reds and good to see them in the eight. Um, I'm kind of happy um, seeing Fiji and Drua. Um, they've, you know, they've been better than the Highlanders all season and they've earned their um, spot in the playoffs. So And obviously the Warriors here were great. Sean Johnson, um, back. Um, obviously, as we know, he's been one of the Warriors best players all year and it was great seeing him um, run the line and score two tries and yeah um, Warriors you know probably best one of their season really over the Dolphins putting them away 30 to 8 I know they didn't have um, Taba Waifido but still um, a massive result over, over the Dolphins and I think they've got Canberra on Friday night um, so yeah I think we can get a win against Canberra they don't look the they don't look the best of teams they only just beat the Tigers by one in the weekend and they were up 18-0 at one stage so yeah. yeah, it's been a big old weekend, hasn't it, Zaid? Um, always love you kicking off the show, mate. We've got thank lots you. of calls, so thank you. Enjoy the rest of your week. No doubt we'll hear from you again. We go to Joey in Auckland. G'day, Joey. G'day, Staff. I hope you had a great weekend, mate. And, um, look, uh, Staff, um, the, to control the Crusaders, you, you keep the ball away from them. It's like anything. If you if you don't give the, the All Blacks a lot of ball, they struggle. And that's what... That's what um, the um, uh, Wellington did, you know, the Hurricanes did. You know, they, they, they had about 70, 70% of the ball in the second half. And when you haven't got the ball and you're tackling and all that, it's, like, it's the same in the league. You end up struggling and, and they came over the top of them. 
you know, and that was a, a, a result, especially when the, the guy scored down the blind side. There were a couple of, of uh, missed tackles there. Uh, the number eight, you know, uh, when he ran down the blind and, and scored. But um, the Crusaders, you know, will will be hurting from that, and, and they'll come back. They'll come back from that. And mm. also, too, uh, Warriors, fantastic. You know, Sean Johnson, he will probably go around another year, I would think. Um, staff, I would say... Uh, you know, you you if he wants to play for another season, you would you would grab him because he can mentor these these young fellas, and he's just playing outstanding football, uh, and he's enjoying his football because he, I think he's enjoying his life. And the last thing too, just with the uh, with the state of origin with New South Wales without uh, Nathan Cleary, I think as a Queensland supporter, I think they're going to be very dangerous with Nico Hines and whoever they put in at five eight, because Nico Hines runs the ball a hell of a lot more. You know, Cleary had a poor game uh, in that first. You know, even he would he would admit he didn't play very well at all. And and Hines is the type of guy that will run the football at any at any stage. You know, at any time in a set of six. And I think they're going to be they're going to be very very dangerous up there at um, Suncorp for sure. Mm, yeah, I, I do too. Um, really, really dangerous. And like some some hearty New South Wales. Fans um, really question Nathan Cleary and would Brad Fittler have the guts to drop him because he, he was pretty average and maybe didn't suit the style. I, I don't think he would have dropped him, but it would be very interesting to see how they go. And I'll ask Warren Ryan about when we have him on, not Warren Ryan, not Warren Ryan, <laughs> Warren Smith, uh, the Fox commentator, what they think they'll do. Uh, for me, the natural thing is to go Nico Hines. He's a starter, not a bench player, but he's yeah, really interested to see what they do with that jersey. Well, it's a no-brainer, Steph, just quickly. It's a no-brainer. If, if um, Fiddler wants to keep his job, you put in Nico Hines and you put in maybe Cody Walker. You know, maybe a couple of, couple of the guys that played in that first game need to be dropped. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Queensland, but, um, you know, maybe a couple of guys in that side need to be dropped and you just change things around and you just don't know what you've got to get. And, and this is a, this is the danger that they'll have with Nico Hines. I'm not saying, you know, Cleary, Cleary's a fantastic footballer, you know, but I always say to staff, just quickly, um, no one is worth over a million dollars. I'm sorry. Mm. I, I don't care. But Nathan, Nathan Cleary is not worth over $1.6 million per season. I'm sorry. It's just, I don't, I don't believe that. A million dollars? Yes. And he's right up there. But $1.6 million? I don't think any player's worth that in the NRL. Mm. Anyway, mate, you have a great day. Morning. Up the turbos. Good on you, Joey. Oh, did, someone's just texted. Did I call it Glowbox Stadium Mount Smart? Did I? Go Media Stadium staff, not Glowbox. Maybe I did. Slip of the tongue. If you listen often enough, I do that many times. Uh, let's go to Graham and wire it up. G'day, Graham. Hey, I'm in the water for two, mate. How are you? Oh, see, that was just a blind guess. Oh, you just don't like Kevin by now. I keep saying that. Carterton right now. <laughs> Great little space. But a bit wet. But, um, yeah, hope you had a good weekend, mate. Um, my missus was in the hospital having a gallbladder out, so I had the TV all to myself. Oh, and, and I you, watched everything. Oh, and you can eat pizza because you're not allowed when, when she comes home. <laughs> <laughs> I could eat anything I wanted, mate, and I did. Mm. Um, but, um, no, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question because um, I'll be the only one that talks about this. Everybody's going to talk the ass off um, all the other sports. But did you watch the US Darts Masters? Look, I did. I did not all of it, oh, but I did watch a bit. I did watch a bit. 
the Canadians. I know. Wow. Where did they come from? Far out. Well, that um, guy, um, uh, Jeff Long, knocked out Michael Smith in the first round. Mm. Um, and a guy, Jeff Smith, another Canadian, he knocked out Peter Wright in the first round, 6-2. Then he beat Aspinall, 6-2. Then he beat um, Humphreys, 6-2. Then he got to the final with MVG and lost 8-0. <laughs> <laughs> Michael would have just seen all these top seeds going, going, oh, this is getting better, this is getting better. Loving it. Yeah. Well, he only just got past Rob, Bross, Rob um, Cross in the, in, in the semi-final with the blooming last dart. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was sensational. Great viewing. But um, no, no, all the, all the viewing over the weekend was pretty good, mate. Yeah. And uh, good call on the netball, mate. I had the... Uh, the TV on with volume down listening to you. Oh, great. brilliant. Thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Take it See easy. Ya. There's Graham and Carterton. A little bit colder than Carterton, but a beautiful town, Dunedin. G'day, Dino. Yes, they're mean today, mate. Not a cloud in the sky. Wasn't that warm this morning, of course, but she's nice now, sunny. Perfect. But uh, for me, I... What are the Canes going to do, mate? Like, what are they going to do with those loose fours? Like, wasn't it good to see Yardy at seven? It was. You know, and the league drive, I don't even, I don't even know the name of that boy at number eight. but Braden Yossi. Yeah, well, yeah, well th- these games are all black trials. I don't care what anyone says. The pressure's on, you know. Dalton Popoletti going eight. What for? Mark Hardman and see who's better. Mm. I don't get Like, it really annoys me because it's, the only chance you get to see them, mind you, back in the day, All Black Trials were just another gate-taking thing anyway because the team was picked before you got there. But still would have been good to see Dalton go head-to-head against Hubman. And we've heard it from experts on your on your channel saying, you know, he's not an eight, so why play him there? Mm. There must be another eight in the Auckland catchment that can play eight just because Hoskin needs a week off because he's an All Black. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought Braden Yossi was fantastic. Something about him, and people say it's just because he's a two player, he is incredibly quick off the mark. You know, picks it up off the back of the scrum, he's gone, just in a flash. Mate, it's nothing to do with Manawatu. Like, he, Talia had to turn around, and he looks like the quickest guy in gym shoes in the blues until Rico gets back on the wing and realises that he can actually run again. But he didn't even, he wasn't even encroaching on him. No. Two weeks in a row that he's done something that that wins World Cups. It certainly wins quarterfinals. You know, you, and the other thing is, I don't want to say, like, Scotty Barrett's going to be an all-black captain one day, but he's a lock. He hasn't got the, he was exposed down the blind side, and I think Justin said he played long minutes. Who cares? He, he's not quick enough to shut that down. Mm. And the good teams in the world, the Irish number eight, the French number eight, they, they're fast. They sure are. Why, why they're do, rapid. Why do we, exactly. So, why, like this series against the Wallabies, like we're just so far behind where I believe we should be going into a World Cup year. But, and I love Artie Savier at, at number eight, but I just think he's getting along in the two. I don't know how he puts in the the, the time he does because when he's when he's walking back to lineouts, he looks like he's if he's a racehorse, they'd shoot him. Mm. But he just keeps on going when he gets the ball in hand. I go, God knows how he does it. But I'd have him in the reserves in my team and put someone else at number eight for 30 minutes, whether it's the boy Yosse, if that's his name, or um, Jacobson. They're the two best eights in the country, for me, by a mile. Mm. For 30 minutes. I'd give them the first 30 minutes when 
teams bash the bejesus out of each other. And then I bring Artie on, pissed off that he didn't start, and control that for 10 minutes before halftime, and he plays his whole second half. Mm. I, I actually agree in principle, but I'd probably flip it. I'd start Artie with the experience, and then Braden Yosso with his explosive pace and power with a tiring side to take advantage of that. But but either could work. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, like I say, I'm no expert. I I, I really like Luke Jacobson. I think his skill set is perfect for the international game. He he's he's pretty tall. I know Murray was on your show a year ago possibly saying that the French and the Irish and whoever else and more we have to look at them now that's just the way it's moved but they're two metres tall mm. but I'm not a fan of that back of the line out rubbish anyway just win it too just win the ball like you've you've got to have the ball and the other thing I'd like to bring up is Dave Harvilli how much he's missed with that kicking option and yeah. I would, don't know but I'd love you to ask him does he help Mwanga with vision and telling them what to do. He's got a little bit more time. Yes, he does. I can tell you without asking him, he does. Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. And and the Hurricanes worked it out at halftime. We've got to shut down Mawanga. They can't get out of here. Mm. And they couldn't. Because Goodhue is another example of a quality 13 going to 12 without a kicking game. So it's pretty easy to shut that down if Will Jordan doesn't come in and fill that slot. You know what I mean? Mm. And he, Will's got a wee way to go too. He doesn't get much game time, but he... Stevenson's for me is playing as good as any fullback in New Zealand, so he's got to be given a crack. Otherwise, why do we have this competition? What's the point in it? Mm. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, Dino. And um, uh, I did feel for you when the Highlanders. To, um, you know, I thought they went okay against the Blues, but um, didn't make the eight. And I feel for the guys that are finishing up at the Highlanders that they couldn't have a last hurrah in the playoffs. Yeah, I was in a nice little bar in Matacana. I think it's how it's pronounced with some yep. real good Auckland buggers and they were giving it to me and I was giving it to them and yeah, a couple of beers changed hands at the end of it. But they were they were impressed. I said, just watch Hartman, watch our captain. Yeah. If a couple of your blokes had the ticker of that man, yeah. you'd be going good. We've got to get that 13 out of there because the back line just isn't, it's dysfunctional. I, I really like this, I'll tell you. Christy, Perifeta if Bowden's injured. I don't need Perifeta even if Bowden is going good because his confidence doesn't look, doesn't look good. Harry Plummer's looking really the goods for me because he's got that kicking option at 12. Bryce Heen is their best centre by a mile. Rico at 11. Talia at um, 14. And Zahn Sullivan. That's dangerous. And it works. Mm. And the ball will get to those last three that I mentioned. Mm. It's not going to with Rico at 13. And if it does go there, it's labourish and it's you know, it just, it's, how many seasons have we got to watch it? Mm. It's not getting any better. Yes, well, we'll watch again this weekend, uh, Dino, and, and beyond. I think the Blues will get past this weekend, then it gets tough. The Hurricanes will bowl them, mate. All right. So they Hurricanes? No, they play the Crusaders, aren't they? They're going to get the Crusaders, so... It'll be a hell of a game in Canberra. Like, if the, if the, if the Crusaders... Who are they going to pick? Like... I like Duplessis Karevi. He's the captain, isn't he? And man, I wouldn't change it. I just liked what they did to the Crusaders in the second half. I'd, if they repeat that, because the Brumbies have got a really good forward pack, mm. back line's not bad, but I think the Hurricanes have got their measure in the back line. Especially with that boy at centre. He's, he's playing really good rugby too. Like his name escapes me. Can't remember what Billy Proctor. Yeah, no, he's been st- he's consistent, isn't he? Yeah. Like he doesn't really have a bad game. That seems to be the thing with that. I call it a franchise, they call it a club. 
but they've had a history of fabulous thirteens. Mm. So I think he's just another one. And I wouldn't be. I love Enor. I think he's doing everything right. Like I, I just see a really quality, steady centre there because we don't have the flashy Bruce Robson type. God bless him anymore. The games might have changed. I don't know, but we don't really. It doesn't. No team's got a running, flowing, passing thirteen. They seem to have a battering ram twelve. Yeah, give me, distributor. Yeah, 13. distributor. Yeah, that's it. All right, Dino, we have to take a break. Thanks heaps for your call, buddy. No worries. Have a good day, mate. There he is, Dino from Dunedin, formerly of Matakana. Uh, formerly of Matakana. We'll take a break. Got some texts, but you're very welcome to call on 0800-150-811. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. You are welcome to ring us on 0800 150 11. Got a bunch of texts. Let's get through some of them. Steffi, what's the Aussie betting agency's odds for the Hurricanes Brumbies compared to ours? So I read that before. So here's uh, New Zealand. 215 Brumbies, $1.70 Hurricanes. So $215.70. In Australia, Brumbies, $1.95. Hurricanes, $1.80. So you get more on the Hurricanes in Australia. You get more on the Brumbies here. Point start, one and a half on Aussie, two and a half in New Zealand. So not a lot in it. So if you want to back the Brumbies, um, I guess there's better value over there if you want to back the Hurricanes. Uh, sorry, Brumbies better value here. Hurricanes better value there. I guess that's no huge surprise. Um, next one. I know there's no favours in sport, but I would have it would have been great if the Crusaders drew a started at four instead of the Chiefs and the Reds. Yeah, so the Chiefs and Reds, 4.30. Uh, Crusaders drew at 7. I'm sort of with you. It's going to be so cold in Christchurch at 7 o'clock as opposed to 4.30, I guess. Um, I wonder who gets the say. I wonder who gets the say. I think, does top qualifier get the say? Which would be the Chiefs. So they've probably asked for a daytime. Um, so just if you're unaware, Friday sees the Blues Waratahs at 7 o'clock. Saturday, 4.35, Chiefs Reds. Saturday, 7 o'clock, Crusaders Drua. And then 9.30 Saturday, Brumbies Hurricanes. So she's a triple header Saturday for you, for your rugby pleasure. I'm very much looking forward to uh, Brumbies Hurricanes. We were just talking about Braden Yossi um, before. I think he is going to be a prime target for offshore international teams like Scotland, like Wales, he's 24. Although, is it a five-year naturalisation rather than three now? Because it used to be three. If it's five, maybe not. He's 24. He's got international rugby player written all over him for me. Um, and again, not just because he's Manawatu. I think he's a fantastic player. He's had a couple of great starts for the Hurricanes this year. And if there's any scouts over there, maybe it's not as attractive for them to try and entice New Zealanders now because their depth offshore is probably a bit better than it used to be. Um, but that was just uh, one point about Braden. Um, tremendous player, I think, just tremendous player. We'll take new sport and weather. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a big welcome back to Johnny Mack, who's been sunning himself closer to the equator than we are. He's avoided all the rain. And this is his first bulletin back for about 10 days. I reckon there's going to be a spring in his voice. We'll find out. Here's the new sport and weather. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat 
of Madness. Phone lines are open for you, 0800 150 Text message from Josh. Super Rugby is a bit of a joke in my opinion. Not taking anything away from the Drua, but a team who makes the playoffs with a minus 122 points differential and a record of six wins, eight losses is just madness. If this was league, the Warriors would be making the playoffs every year. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, Josh. Maybe a six six team when there's twelve teams, eight making the playoffs. Um, maybe a six team. What was it called? The old McIntyre system. Was that the six team? Is that the six? I can't remember. Um, but I know what you're saying, Josh. I think it's great for the Islands rugby having said all of that to make a final uh, uh, to make the playoffs. I think it is good. Uh, we will go to the lines and we'll talk to Mikey. G'day, Mikey. G'day, Mr. Stafford. Mikey's grumpy today. Is he? Is he? Now, this is how we're going to find out whether you're a fair man or a bitter man. Oh, I'm not bitter. I'm just grumpy with my team. I'm not, I'm not grumpy against the Canes or anything like that, or the ref or anything. I'm just grumpy with my team mm. for not uh, closing it out. So, yeah, we, we went away for the weekend, managed to get the wee one with my grandparents and went away and sat down in a restaurant and then we started losing and then the food came and the food was crap as well. It was like, great. <laughs> You've been hit twice. <clears throat> oh, shocker. Absolute shocker. Anyway, they'll pick themselves up. But um, good on the Canes. And uh, I think, was it Dino saying it was great to see um, Artie at number seven. That was awesome. Yeah. Really, he... really good. He's so, so quality. He can play anywhere, can't he? He can, yeah, yeah, but it'd be good. I, know, I just think it'd be good to see him at seven a bit more often. To get some real big and strong number eight like we used to in the old days. But um, hey, uh, your um, texter um, was it Josh about the the quarterfinals coming up? I think a six would be better personally. Mm. Top two have a rest weekend, and the other four um, duel it out to see who plays those those top two. Yeah, because if, we, if we're serious about it. We've got a final quarter final weekend. There's only one game that we think might may go either way because mm. we know the other games, in theory, are going to go Blues, Chiefs, Crusaders. The Brumbies, Canes is the game of the of the round. But if you're coming to quarter final, semi finals, every game should be the should be a game of the round, shouldn't it? Yeah, and like in any twelve comp twelve team comp, if you've got one versus eight in any code, it should be a shellacking. And same with two and seven. Yeah, well, uh, I feel for a little bit for the Drawer boys because uh, I've had a look at the forecast. It's raining. It's going to be less than 10 degrees. Yeah. It'll probably come in horizontal. Mm. <laughs> Hypothermia is going to be about to set into some of them, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, they won't be used to that. Um, but, yeah, the Brumbies-Canes, I, 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 I mean, after I, I thought the Canes been poor the last couple of weeks, but after that second-half performance, it's all on. All on. And some of their players are really improved. Like Josh Morby has improved out of sight, I thought. Yeah. 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 And 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 for us to get a red card from little Chippy Chippy Meister for the Canes. <laughs> I mean he's a walking yellow card all day. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I actually loved it. That's it's a throw he's good. a throwback, isn't he? Oh, big time and uh I mean, they they all shook hands and a joke afterwards. They're so good on them, but um, 
Anyway, there you go. Uh, have a great show. I'll catch you later. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There's Mikey out of Christchurch. Um, from Jared, interesting during the Canes Crusaders, seeing a couple of all-black trialists for 12 and 6. Geordie made a couple of poor defensive reads that smelled of not being an out-and-out 12. And Scott Barrett's miss at 6 down the short side was very, very poor. Um, can't remember, did he miss Braden Yossi down the short side? I'm not 100% sure. He's probably... If there's one failing for Scott Barrett, which is not his fault, not quick off the mark, is he? Not quick off the mark. Um, I do think I do think he'll play six in that opening game against France. Be interested to see how Ian Foster plays him in the internationals leading up to the World Cup. I think that will give us a sight into what he's thinking for the World Cup, particularly our very first Test match, actually. Uh, Geordie 12, maybe Scott 6. I'm not 100% sure. I'm fascinated with, with pretty much you know the wings, the fullback, the first five. It's really interesting. Uh, thanks for the text though, Jared. Uh, from Ken, Staffy. Cameron Suafua and Bowden and a few others are available against the Waratahs. Big blow with Paddy gone though. Maybe young Josh Beer? B-E-E-H-R-E. Josh Beer? Might get a chance at lock. Cheers, Ken. Yeah, Really sad news for uh, Paddy Two-Ups. Just just at the wrong time for him. Can't play playoffs. Um, I think he's still well in the all-black frame, though, Ken. Uh, big body, good experience as well. Let's uh, head over to Melbourne and talk to Darren. G'day, Darren. Hey, Staffy. How are you? Very good, sir. Oh, mate, I got, I got in trouble on Sunday. I was watching the uh, Canes. Crusaders match in my shed. Yeah. Fire going, you know, beers flowing. <laughs> and my wife came out and she started hearing all these weird noises and thought there was something wrong in the shed. And uh, had to, just Cody Taylor, Dane Coles, I kid you not, I was just killing myself at last. <laughs> <laughs> it was so and good, wasn't that it? Was, that, was, that was like watching poetry in my but Yeah. There got was... a card and Coles was pointing to his head and, oh, God. Yeah, it was, and there was no no damage done, no no punches thrown. Like Colsey pulled his fist back. There was no way he was going to swing at him. It was just, it was pantomime at its finest. Oh, it was just so good. Yeah, I thought that's why we watch it for these these battles. And then they shake hands and they probably had a beer after. And yeah, you know, oh, it was just gold. Yeah, and I just wanted to say one thing. I'm I'm a big skeptic of um. I think it's Pickerel, the 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 ref. Yeah. I thought he actually had one of his better games, considering how tough it would have been to ref at some stages. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't mind him. Like no. referees always get stuff wrong. Uh, always, you can't go through a game. And I saw someone really slam uh, Ben. Um, why do I forget his name? Ben O'Keefe uh, for his performance on the weekend, which I didn't watch, and just say he's whistle happy, he's up himself, and all that. He's not. He's not. You know. No. Um, no, I rate him. I yeah. rate him, and him and Angus Gardner, I'd rate as the top two in the world right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, but no, looking forward to this weekend. There's going to be some, going to be some good battles. I yeah. mean, I know, I know everyone's saying, oh, one versus eight, two versus seven. But if you're if you're seventh or eighth, you have got nothing to lose. You can throw the kitchen sink at it. The pressure's all on the other team. So you know, 
Who knows what'll happen? Yeah, and I don't watch every Super Rugby game. It's probably the first year I haven't watched every Super Rugby game, but I'll be watching every playoff match this weekend, just in the hope that Waratahs maybe, Reds maybe, Drua maybe, um, just in case, because you don't want to miss it. I think we've all got a soft spot for the Drua, don't we? Absolutely we do. Absolutely we do. Yeah. Yeah. Good man. Cheers, Darren. And um, please you didn't get in too much trouble from the missus. Oh, she, I played it back for her, and she was even laughing. So, yeah, it was good. <laughs> awesome, buddy. Thank you. I didn't mind watching it a second time. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Darren, out of Aussie. I did enjoy that. Uh, me, oh, my, yes, boy. Is that how it goes? Uh, we'll take a break. You're welcome to call 0800 150 811. Getting you through the day like a hot cover after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. We're talking about your highlights, slow lights, and everything in between from the weekend of sport. Gary from Upper Hutt joins us. G'day, Gary. G'day, Steph. Definite highlights. That classic Dane Coles game. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wasn't that just a brilliant last game for him at the stadium? If, in fact, it is the last one. Oh, it was. It was, a, it was. it was beautiful to watch, and I was sitting there chuckling as well. I just had all the aspects of his game. Apart from the only thing we didn't get, we didn't get him sprinting down the sideline, you know, in the clear, you know. Yeah, because he's but, um, fast too. He, he's really fast. But, yeah, I don't know that he's quite as quick as he used to be, but, I mean, that happens to all of us. But, um, yeah, he, he is, definitely. Yeah, it's about the only thing that he didn't pull out of his bag of tricks. <laughs> I'll tell you what, what it does, it confirms to me why he should be on the plane at the end of the year. I definitely have him as one of my hookers going over there, even though I know he's injury prone. But you keep him for those big games where it takes that top two inches to to know how to win a game, or do you even you know cause a bit of niggle like that? It puts that other side off. Um, for me, if they're looking at Armour, I think oh boy, I don't, I just don't know if I want him there at the World Cup. Mm. Do you really want him throwing in that line out? With two minutes to go or whatever, four points down, and you've got to win it. And it's just like, oh, my money would be on him not throwing it in right. Yeah, uh, oh, I'm 100% yeah. with you with Colsey going to the World Cup. We we need that. And, and he, he's got the innate ability to make the opposing front row think about other things than playing rugby. Yep. And that's valuable, yeah, that's man. Yeah, top two inches. Yeah, mm. top two inches. He's got it. He's so experienced at it. You know, it's just, uh, it was just so good to watch. I really, really enjoyed that. <laughs> hey, but what, what on earth happened to the Waratahs? Well, I had a brilliant... Um, six-leg multi-going, and then I thought, absolute shoo-in, Waratahs over Moana Pacifica, woke up, so I, what happened there? I, I didn't see the game, or I've not really heard anything about it. Did they rest half their side or something, did they? No, um, looking at their team, they had a, the, um, that Mark, huge surname, Nawakanawasi, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, sorry, team. Um, they had him at fullback, but just uh, looking at their team, they had a few out, actually, looking at it now, but Michael Hooper played, Swinton played. Um, I'm just looking at I would have thought they would have romped home. Yeah, they, they struggled, actually. Jake Gordon, they had a few on the bench that are normal starters, Harry Wilson, um, Gordon Gleeson, so maybe they underestimated a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, but um, but you along with me would have been well if it wasn't in your multi. I was stoked Moana rounded out the season and got a win. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. And that, but yeah, ruined. Well, wasn't the only one that ruined my multi. The Kai Kara France funded as well. Just like <laughs> that's another story altogether. That's complete bollocks. Yeah, that, that was a. Rort. And that's even to my untrained eye, it's like, come on, I'm in there. Yeah, got that one. Yeah, <laughs> no, wasn't great. Yeah, it was appalling. Mm. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. Enjoy the rest <laughs> of your day. I get. See you, mate. Just yep. on that um, Kai Kara France thing, team. Uh, I've pulled up the stats from the fight. Uh, Kaikara France landed 133 strikes, his opponent 64, so half as many. Uh, significant strikes, Kaikara France 99, uh, Albazi 43, more than double. Takedowns, Kaikara France 2 out of 2, his opponent Albazi 1 out of 9. And the fourth round, which one judge gave to Albazi, um, Kaikara France landed 24 strikes and the opponent landed one. And one of the judges gave it 10-9 to the guy that landed one. Yeah, very fishy. And he's uh, he's from Saudi Arabia, isn't he? Yeah. And is he, Dana he, looking for that oil money, is he? Well, see, now Albazi after that fight is 17-1-0. So 17 wins, one draw, no losses. And it's no secret that the O is important. They, they like riding on the coattails all the way up to the top. But here's the thing I found this morning. Dana White does not appoint the referees. He does not appoint the judges. So while the finger's being pointed at Dana White, it's the appointments are made by um, the Las Vegas Commission. It's this athletic commission. They appoint the judges. And two judges involved in that fight have had dubious scorecards Many, many times. I've heard that. I've heard that. So, and yeah. even when before the fight started and they put up the names of the judges, Israel Adesanya tweeted, oh no, because he knew Ugh. these guys. Because, I mean, not that boxing and UFC really want to do this because there probably is a lot of money in that and the corruption side of things, but is there a better way to judge fighting? Like, I don't know if the 10-point must system is the best way of doing it. I don't know if the way... That, that criteria that they've got is the way to do it. I mean, what I mentioned yesterday, do you do what they do at the Olympics where you take, maybe you got five judges, you take the worst and the best and you get rid of them yeah. and you just get the three in the middle. And they judge live. like, And it's just, if a punch lands, you get a point and you, and you see them go up and then the other one, and it goes well, that's, up. Yeah, and Brad said yesterday, Brad Lewis said, um, and it might have been Joe Rogan who suggested it, um, give the scores after every round. So a fighter knows exactly what position they're in. Oh, okay, mm. I'm down by three rounds. I've got to knock this guy out. You and know? the thing about 10-point must that I've always been like a massive boxing fan is you might get two fighters and they both stay on their feet and he absolutely destroys them around one, 10-9, and then it's really close the next round, but the other guy gets it, 10-9. It's all square, but one guy's yeah. obliterated him in one round. Yeah, I get you. Occasionally you'll get a 10-8. It's, it's a compulsory 10-8 if there's a knockdown, but yeah. there does have to be a better way. And no accountability, it seems. Absolutely none. i got a swag of text messages, which I'll get through before the news. Um, we'll take a break. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Boys, cut it fine as Bruce from Christchurch, but we can squeeze you in before the news. Bruce, good day. Cheers, guys. Um, the 40, 20, 50, 20. I think, I think 
we miss the opportunity a lot of um, through the competition. Mm. There's a that skill. The Canes got a try from it in that match, and the Crusaders kicking some of it was terrible. I hate this. Just oh, three passes, get it out there and kick it down the middle. I'd rather them try and do an angles wipers kick or whatever, get the line out and put some pressure on the other side, cut the angles down, and but use it cleverly. And I'm sure in a game your top kickers could get two or three um, of those opportunity 40-20s and, and gain from it. And I think it's been underutilised the whole season. Yeah, I'm with you, Bruce. I'm with you. We do have to scoot, but thank you for game your Game management. Yep, game yep. management. Kick to grass, I always say. Kick to grass. Uh, Steve from Auckland texted and said, Hey, Staffy, just a reminder, Celtics heat was one verse eight, and the heat smoked the Celtics. I take your point, but that's a 32-team competition, not a 12. So eight, eight in a 32-team comp is going to be a lot better than eighth in a 12-team competition. Still to come on the show, uh, Brett Phillips out of Australia, but talking French Open tennis. Roland Garros is on, of course. And Warren Smith, Fox League commentator, looking forward to the weekend's NRL action. And what are they going to do with Nathan Cleary? Very much looking forward to talking to the rugby club captain of Wainuiamata Rugby Club. They were one of the winners of last year's uh, Bunnings Assist. We'll find out more about that as the show goes on. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Text from Brian. G'day, Staffanator. Number one sporting highlight of the weekend for me was the mighty Hurricanes defeating the evil Crusaders and seeing Dane Coles unpick the Crusaders' much-touted mental fortitude. Boom, faha, yes, boy. <laughs> oh, great text. From Nick Pete. Oh, talking about state of origin, one of the worst Blues players in origin was Tedesco, the captain. Heaps of pressure on him at Suncorp, New South Wales, Will go okay if Latrell comes back, but go the mighty Maroons from Nick Pete. Hey, Steph. Uh, the Canes forwards only excelled in the second half because of what the boys did in the first. The Canes pack is so small with Artie and Duplessis on the park at the same time, and it just hasn't worked. Flanders, Artie, Yuase should be the loose forward trio. Every time I discuss the Canes, I say the same thing and stick by it. Jason Holland is a good coach, but a poor selector. Never quite got the Canes team right. Braden Yossi, for me, the last couple of weeks has done enough to justify a starting spot. Uh, Chris says when we're talking about numbers of teams in the playoffs, I think eventually it will be a top six in a few seasons' time, unless they add more teams. I'm with you. I'm with you. I do think about advertising revenue, gate revenue, from having you know this weekend in a six-team playoff format, there'd only be two games. And we've got four. I think if teams six, seven, and eight were a little bit better, it might be a bit better. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Staffy, did you see in the Herald they did a top 10 of the super teams over the weekend? Uh, I didn't, sorry. I'll go and see if I can find it. Staffy, um, Dean, he usually speaks perfect sense, 
but he's going to eat his words. <laughs> the Canes will head to the Hamilton of Australia and smoke the Brumbies just like they did last year. Get on the $10. Up the Canes. Up the Canes. We got another call? We got another call. Let's go for a call before we go and talk some tennis. Cliff and Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. Yeah, afternoon, Savvy. How you doing? I'm brilliant. Yeah, that's good. Lovely day down here. Hey, uh, yeah, big good weekend of sport. I watched the FA Cup. I was, in, I was impressed. It was a shame. Man City scored a couple of good goals. That Probably the goal he never saw until late. But Man United kept the game going, which was good. I'm not a supporter of either. I, I prefer United to win, but not my team as such. But it uh, was, was a good game. Uh, Victor Hovland won the golf. That was great. That was a good good finish to the tournament. And uh, Paul Rory McElroy had a bad half a dozen holes at the end that sort of took himself out of the chance after being a, one of the leaders at the start. Uh, you know, with the with the rugby, you know, top it should be top six. The top two teams would have a bye the first week and the other four play off against each other to see who plays in the next level, you know, to bring the top two teams back in. But to have the bottom, the eighth, seventh and eighth teams in there who probably haven't played particularly well, I mean, the Highlanders and the Drua, they had their moments, but the Highlanders just lack a bit of everything. You know, there's some dogged players, Renton, you know, Aaron Smith had a pretty reasonably good year, but there's not enough experience in that squad. There's the picking of the team, some of the times the sides, the back line looked different every week, nearly. You know, they played the fullback out of position at second five, and other fellas played in there. There was higgledy piggledy, but the, 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 the forwards tried, they and they did their best. And, they, and a lot of the times they were equal to the opposition, but you know, you can't beat having a good coach who's got some decent players. And, and you know, in a, in a squad of 35 or whatever they've got in the Highlanders, you need at least half of them to be an experienced side. And I just don't think there's many many in that team at all that would say. There was probably six or seven jokers in the Highlanders squad who you would say that were an experienced player or that they would have been this, in that team that maybe was in the side, you know, eight years ago when they won it. But really... There's just not enough in that team anymore, and I just don't know where they're going to go. You know, sure you can build on what you got, but if you haven't got any cattle, really, it's a hard road to hoe, isn't it? It is. I feel like there's a bit of a parallel between the Warriors and the Highlanders, where they just couldn't attract the cattle, and that's the that's what the Highlanders are unfortunately going to go through. If if only they'd spend some time in Dunedin and realise what a wonderful city it is to live and and play. Um, but they need some results to to attract a bit. And um, I mean, we saw we we saw a cycle when Ben Smith joined with Aaron Smith, and you had Nussie Mana. You've had some wonderful players, but you need them again. You need to hold them. I think Billy Harmon's a key. You got to hold on to him but yeah I wish the Highlanders you know all the best in the future but um, I don't know if it's going to be instant unfortunately Cliff No, no definitely not but yeah he is hoping yep. uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the league, I'm usually catching one or two games, but most of them and uh, there's some good stuff out there There is. so uh, yeah enjoy your week. You too buddy, thank you um, someone's saying everyone's so negative about Super Rugby it is not league. Look at the crowds for the games where teams were trying to make quarterfinals. That's from Brian. Yeah, I can't comment. I saw the crowd uh, <laughs> for the Drua game. That's 
that is next level. I just love the atmosphere that they get over in the islands. Just fantastic. And I watched the Hurricanes. That was a good. That was a good crowd as well. I will say it wasn't wasn't very noisy for me, but I got a few text messages. I just I was watching the Warriors and that finished, and then I flicked over and I watched the Hurricanes Crusaders, and they just seemed the atmosphere difference was incredible. <clears throat> and I wasn't bagging rugby and promoting league. I, I just said for the folks that have just switched over like me that watch the Warriors and the Canes, uh, your thoughts on the difference in atmosphere. And I just yeah, you know, people come after you saying. You know, all sorts of things. It was just a comment about atmosphere and can rugby learn something off league and what is the reason? Is it rules? Is it connection with the fans? I don't know what it was. But then I got a few messages from people saying they'd been to Hurricane game first time in a long time and they loved it. Uh, they said the pregame was good, so I'm delighted. That's brilliant. Um, Michael Checker's name came up again on Vossi's show this morning regarding the Dragons job. Uh, he was saying the latest is if they want me and everything lines up, I'm keen. Interesting. I think Shane Flanagan's the one. I do think Shane Flanagan's the one. We'll talk to Warren Smith about that, the Fox NRL commentator. Uh, And one from Josh saying, Singapore racing to finish in 2024. I read that yesterday, actually. That's pretty sad. That's a big, big um, racing organisation, but they're pulling the pin. I think October next year, from memory. And, of course, Donald Logan is up there. One of our best trainers is up there. Number of horses, trainers, jockeys, and at least they've given him a, a long a long run-in. And I saw David Ellis out of Tiako saying his first consideration is the welfare of his staff and of his horses. So, yeah, that is sad. It's a, it's a big... Um, a destination for the horses that are bred in New Zealand, so it will impact here as well. So uh, there'll be more developments on that, and I'd imagine the likes of Louis Herman Watt and Michael Guerin and other crew that we have covering our racing uh, will keep you up to speed with everything that is happening there. Now, as you know, uh, one of the tennis majors is on at the moment, Roland Garros in Paris. I'd love to go there, actually. I'm seeing the sights and sounds around the outside of the court and just in and around the complex is fantastic. No Rafa Nadal, of course, this this year. Uh, but we're going to join Brett Phillips now. Of course, he's the SEN uh, tennis commentator. And we're getting towards the business end, Brett, and the cream is starting to rise to the top. Stevie, nice to uh, connect again. Yes, we've uh, turned the page into the second week, and you're right. Uh, the cream is starting to rise uh, to the top, and... Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how this uh, second week plays out. It's been a, a different feel with no uh, Rafael Nadal, but, gee, the matches have been incredible, intoxicating, really. The crowds have been heaving. The Parisians, most of them have been on their best behaviour. There's been a few uh, that haven't been. That's become sort of the um, the crowds at tennis events, uh, lacking a little bit of etiquette for mine. But, yeah, look, I think on the men's side, when we saw the draw, Savvy, at the start of the tournament, we wanted to see an Alcaraz... Djokovic semi-final, a clash of the generations. They'd never met in a Grand Slam. Well, we're one match up. We're one match up away from that being determined. So Carlos Alcaraz to play Stefanos Tsitsipas in a quarterfinal, and he's beaten Tsitsipas four from four. So uh, we give him a big tick there. And Djokovic is going to play Karen Hutchinov, who's had a great tournament. The semis of the U.S. Open last year. He's got an eight and one head-to-head against Hutchinov. So. Fingers crossed that they can keep that winning record intact, and we get we get to see Carlos and uh, and Novak in a, in a big heavyweight semi final. Is it time to start talking about Sitsipas as a bit of a gunner? 
when it comes to the bigs? Well, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, even though he's still pretty young, you do feel like that clock is ticking, particularly as um, this generation of Alcaraz, Holger Runa, who, uh, you know, one in five sets today through to meet Kasparud. And you've got, you know, Yannick Sinner's bombed out of this tournament, but Yannick is um, that other member, that young member of the top 10. And here you've got Stefanos trying to get one. Mm. Uh, Sasha has just won a short time ago, had that horrific ankle injury at the French last year and former world number three. He's been passed by a few, but he's trying to find his mojo again. You know, uh, Denis Shapovalov was beaten easily by Alcaraz in this tournament, and he's fallen by the wayside. Berrettini had injured. Rublev can't crack it. Uh, Medvedev is not great on clay and grass. So, yeah, there's lots of interesting storylines, certainly in the men's game. But Carlos Alcaraz, I mean, it's the most watchable ticket. I'll go as far as saying world sports, Debbie, not just tennis. This wow. guy, you have to go and watch him live. And he might not get the numbers of Djokovic, Federer and Nadal in getting right up to 20-plus majors. It's going to depend on the rivalries that form over the next 15 years. But he and Holger Runa, uh, these these two young boys, they eat, sleep and breathe tennis. It is brilliant to watch. <laughs> yeah, everyone says, is he the next Nadal? I mean... They, they even look similar, they play similar, they're fantastic on clay. It's too early to go that far, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think he's, he's, he's got the game style, which is a little bit of a mix of the offence of Roger Federer and then the, the great defence of Nadal. So you put those two together, and if you're comparing Alcaraz and Nadal at the same age, I mean, Rafa had such a great backcourt game. He didn't need to come forward too often. It was only... It was only later as the clock was ticking for Rafa and the body was getting a little bit more weary that he knew he had to start shortening points a little bit that he got himself to the net and became a really good volleyer. If you look at the Alcaraz game, right now at the ripe old age of 20, he's got every corner of the court covered. He's beautiful from the back. I mean, the, the power he generates is incredible. And he's got these beautiful hands coming forward. He, he plays the drop shot with regularity. And he's, a, he's probably a better version of Rafa at the same age. So we'll see if he goes on to achieve the same sort of numbers. But it's quite scary that this is only the beginning because he's going to be with us for the next you know, 10 to 15 years. Yeah, he's going to get better and better too, as you say. Like he's been at the, at the top table not, not for very long, so he will get better. Before we leave the men's side, is Rafa in Paris or is that too painful for him to actually be there and not play? No, he's... Um, I'm not sure exactly where he is, but I know he's had surgery over the weekend. Obviously, this hip uh, has, you know, really derailed his year. Uh, that the injury he got from the Australian Open, and obviously he made the statement pre uh, the French that he wasn't going to play pretty much this year. Uh, so he's had surgery in the hope that he can now rest really and recover in this last six months of 2023 and see if his body will get up to play one final year as a bit of a, fair, a farewell tour, if you like. So we'll, um, we'll see if that happens. I mean, the odds are probably against it. 36 years of age, we saw how tough it was for Roger mm. to get back and play with the knee. And he made that cameo, of course, at the, um, the Labor Cup so we could farewell him on court. But let's hope we get to say goodbye to Rafa on court, but uh, time will tell. And on the women's side, the hard rock-loving Shriatek, the number one seed, takes on an up-and-comer, Coco Goff, still very, very young, one play six. But Shriatek sort of, can she be beat by any of the other remaining six, seven players? 
<laughs> well, I mean, she had the double bagel against her opponent, 51 minutes, uh, Wong at China on the weekend. And then this morning, uh, Lesia Serenko only lasted six games. She actually retired. So eager at that stage was 5-1 up. She was looking pretty dominant. And Coco, I think he's got better each uh, each match and made the final last year, of course. Um, uh, so, you know, I think, you know, Coco, a year on is a better chance, but Eager looks to be in a really good groove. And you've got, you know, Sabalinka's Fidelina quarterfinal is fascinating. I think Alina Fidelina is almost the story of the tournament. You know, after 12 months giving birth, uh, they've adopted her, the French over there, being married to Gail Montfees. They've had a French um, female player for quite some time as a title contender. So they're all over um, They're all over uh, Alina. And if she can beat Sabalinka, who knows what she can achieve. And, yeah, we'll, um, we'll wait and see. And rebucking it out of the tournament, that was the other title contender. So I think probably we're looking at a Spiontek um, Sabalinka final. And in amongst sandwiched in this in these quarterfinals, a couple of non-seeds, uh, Machova and you'll have to excuse me, I'm going to go with Pavlyonchenkova. Yep, yep, Anastasia. Well, she actually, yeah, made the final of the French Open um, yeah, two years ago, Anastasia. So had a really tough uh, run of injuries last year, but former world number one junior and uh, close to cracking the top 10 across her career. So yeah, she loves Paris. I mean, she's back in some really good touch. And, and Carolina Mukova, um, she made a semi-final of the Australian Open about three years ago. She uh, knocked out Ash Barty in that quarterfinal, which was a bit heartbreaking, um, Steffi, for us. But she's a player who has beautiful feel and touch on the tennis court. Great craft. It's not all firepower. Had some injuries to deal with last year. And across her career, she has taken eight top 10 scalps. So she knows how to play the big name players. Finally, Brett, you've mentioned a number of times, both draws, injury troubles. Uh, why are so many tennis players having these bad, bad injuries? You know, I, I just think the game's as, as physical as it ever has been. It's brutal out there, uh, Stephen. I, I look at the, the, the clay court matches across the last week. I mean, the length of matches. I mean, the, the women's match today uh, went three hours and 51 minutes. Uh, when people say women should be best of five, I mean, please. <laughs> you know, that, uh, the best of three is fine. And best of five will not happen at a Grand Slam. Maybe maybe you could argue the final but not in the lead-up because it would be a scheduling nightmare, uh, number one. But there are many great women's matches that go through. You go, that's gone nearly four hours. And imagine if they had gone to five. We'd be still uh, we'd be still watching it uh, right now. But, yeah, look, it is physical. And I suppose the bulk of the year, too, is played on hard courts. And the hard courts, are, gee, they're tough on the knees, they're tough on the ankles. And, you know, uh, the, the, the condition you need to be in today with the, uh, the racket string technology, the balls are coming thick and fast at you. Your reaction time is is really minimal. You've got to change direction a lot. And, yeah, you, you know, it's not uh, – it's, it's, it's a real gladiatorial one-on-one battle out there. It's tough. Brett Phillips, you're a very busy man. Thanks for squeezing in New Zealand on your schedule today. Hope you get some sleep at some stage. Indeed, we will. Maybe at the end. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Oh, I've got to love it. Dino's text in and says, Steffi, I'm on the Canes. I won't be eating my words. <laughs> my semis are the Chiefs versus the Canes and the Crusaders versus the Blues or Waratahs. Without Patrick, it's harder to pick. And the final, Chiefs-Crusaders without Havili, Chiefs by three. There's Dino's predictions. Uh, 
Dino's predictions there. Someone's texting asking uh, about the point starts and which way would I go in the various quarterfinals. So let me have a little look. Blues Waratahs, point starts 17 and a half. That is big in a quarterfinal, but it is at the Blues. When it's a big point start like that, I prefer to wait and see what the teams are looking like and particularly as... um, Dino pointed out, without Paddy two-ups, it's probably going to be Tucker and potentially Tom Robinson at lock. I'm not 100% sure, but that's getting up there as far as lines go. So I know you asked me for my pick of the point start, but I can't do it until I see the teams. Chiefs reds, uh, Chiefs is probably going to be about that as well. 19 I think the Chiefs just do a massive number on the reds. I'm sorry, reds fans. I really do. Full strength, not New Plymouth. Back in Hamilton, 4.30. Nice. Crusaders, Drua. This will be big. 22 and a half. Love the Drua. I'd love them to keep it close. But the Crusaders at finals time are a different beast. But I, I am concerned about the amount of injuries the Crusaders have. Um, but, geez, they get these unheard of players that just rally, fit into the system of the Crusaders. It's such a machine, the Crusaders. It really is. But as Mikey said, it's going to be raining. It'll be probably seven degrees. It'll be freezing. Not great for the Drua. I think they'll be up for the fight in the first half, and I think they'll put on a a good performance for the 40, but it's the back 40 that the Crusaders could blow them away. Um, So I'd take the Crusaders minus there. And then the really interesting one, the Brumbies and the Hurricanes. I think if I was just going to have a bet, um, I think the Brumbies 215 is pretty good at the moment. But what I saw of the Hurricanes last week, um, Dane Coles looked like he got through unscathed. I I hope they start him again. I think they're a a right royal chance to go to Brumbies land and and do a number on them. Potentially the one there, actually, just thinking about it, is a half-time, full-time turnaround. Brumby's half-time, Hurricanes full-time, 6.50. Uh, without seeing the teams, I think the Hurricanes will have a better strike power off the bench, which could see them win the second half. So I think the Brumbies might lead by five or six or seven, something like that, at half-time, and then the Hurricanes, when they get their guys on, on the field to round it out in the second half, I think that... That might be the way to go. The six dollar one. There'll be some good boosted odds and some great power plays as well. So looking forward to that. Actually, after the news, we're going to talk to Brendan Popperwell. So I, I, I want to talk to him about that. I want to talk to him about the French Open tennis, which we've just talked to BP, the other BP, about. Um, US Open golfers this weekend. Of course, Ryan Fox, another around that top thirty. What's he paying? Um, he's definitely worth a top twenty, top forty bet because he's probably going to be over a hundred to win. One day, one day, Foxy win a major, make us all rich, make us all rich. And of course, the NBA playoffs uh, back underway. It's it's one all Denver, um, Miami. That's going to be fantastic tomorrow as well. Still to come on this show, which rounds out at three, and you'll be joined by the run home, three to four, as per every day. We still have uh, Brennan Popperwell, as I mentioned, Warren Smith, and we have Rob Penny, the new Crusaders coach. He's going, just being confirmed, he's going to join us at about 2.40. Looking forward to that chat as well. But don't go anywhere. But right now, we have new sport and weather with the great Johnny Mack.
while we're heading down State Highway 1. I was in the Tron uh, for the netball finals. Didn't see Brennan Popper well there, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. We got him on the line now from the TAB. I don't know where to start, Pops, but we won all in the NBA finals. Denver, Miami, which way are they leaning? Game three is Thursday, so we've got time to prepare ourselves. Look, we have, staff. Uh, good afternoon to you. And look, first of all, there was money for Miami Heat leading into game number two, and there has been a, a little bit of a flow on effect for game number three. They are outsiders again. Even though they have a home court advantage, so two fifteen, Denver Nuggets a dollar sixty eight. So so far we've seen uh, just a, a slight push towards betting turnover uh, around the Miami Heat, but the dollar sixty eight is attractive enough for those that have been with the Denver Nuggets to believe they can win the championship and can they now win uh, away from home? So intriguing matchup. And what I will say, Steph, is this has made the series now, hasn't it, with that victory mm. yesterday by the Miami Heat and just how deep we could go into the series. Who, who do punters favour long-term to, to get the diamond-encrusted rings and the NAF caps as soon as the full-time whistle sounds? <laughs> and, and wear some ski masks and, yeah. and, and what have you. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to give that a go one day. I just need to win something so I can feel that champagne <laughs> in my face uh, with a ski mask on. Um, <laughs> Denver Nuggets, definitely. Uh, they, they've been the ones that have been supported pretty early in the series. Uh, it's been them and the Lakers that were the, the two teams that were supported in terms of outright winner. Look, there are some lovely tickets out there for some smaller bets around the Miami Heat. They were, of course, the, they are the fairy tale story of the of the NBA Finals. There was big prices available for them. They got to around thirteen, fourteen dollars uh, as they were getting closer towards an NBA Championship Final, possibly. So, um, yeah, there, there's some tickets out there with small outlays with big returns around the Miami Heat. A quick touch on, because it's early in the week, I like looking at some long-range books. Uh, we're quarter-final stage now in the in the French Open. Carlos Alcaraz, um, he's my silent, smiling assassin, but what a game he's got at 20 years of age. Mate, this, and I'll tell you what, it's all about Alcaraz as well in this. Um, boy, there's a future in front of him, though, isn't there? And punters believe it will be a, a French Open victory as well in 2023. Uh as soon as this market opened uh, around the French Open, it's all been around Alcatraz winning. And Djokovic, yes, is the second favourite at $2.50. But in terms of weight of money, uh, it is with is with Carlos. Uh, if you're looking elsewhere in the marketplace, Zeriev sits at around that $8 price. We've had a little bit of interest there in the middle market. But, yeah, it's about Carlos Alcatraz winning the French Open for the men. Uh, in terms of the women's side uh, on, on the French Open, it's all around one particular lady in Swiatek. It's a very short price. We'll be looking at the moment, dollar forty, and maybe it's a case of trying to multi up that dollar forty into something you like, and maybe it could be Alcatraz. Another open, uh, US Open now, uh, which for a number of foxy reasons we're very, very interested in. The world's yeah. best are going to be there. Good recovery, I thought, from Ryan Fox. I thought after the first round Mate. at Jack's tournament, gone, yeah. fought back, finished near top 30 again. Um, I guess it's no surprise he's going to be a high price and high interest. Look, you get the feeling he's going to peel one of these off. And if you if you are of that belief, just keep playing the high prices. I mean, he's $151. And we've seen enough from Ryan Fox in in these majors that he is going to get himself in a position where he could win one of these. Uh, So, yes, you're right. High price, 151, has been taken in these early stages of this market. 
Uh, and when all the other markets start coming out, top 20, top 30, top 40, uh, you can also probably dive into some very good prices with them seeing such a high price. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, $8.50. We, we know he's got the consistent game. He's always going to be at the top of these markets. He's eight fifty. John Rahm, $9. But Brooks Kepka has found his way more closer to the top end of the market at $10 now with his current form in the majors. And then you're looking at Rory McIlroy at $11. Uh, and then uh, Cantlay at $17. And Victor Hovland, of course, who's been in terrific form, uh, winning on the weekend just gone, uh, is currently at $19. And Super Rugby quarterfinals. Won't wind my way through all of them. Blues Waratahs, one-sided. Chiefs Reds, one-sided. Crusaders, Fiji and Drua, one-sided. But Brumbies Hurricanes is the only one we mm. see an away favourite. That is compulsory viewing, 9.30 Saturday night. Isn't it just? And I tell you what, it's, it's Brumbies that's the early push in this market, Steph. Two fifteen, and and maybe it's because it's the best value chance you can find, as you said, in those other three matches. Uh, so yeah, early betting uh, is leaning towards uh, the Brumbies. Around sixty nine percent of our head to head market has been on the Brumbies at two fifteen. Hurricanes favourite at one seventy. So if you are looking to have an early bet in this market and you think that price could keep changing around the Brumbies, maybe start trying to find your best uh, point start line around them with them being the home team outsider. So, yep, and also with Super Rugby, the Crusaders, uh, they are the best-back team to win the championship. Even though the Chiefs are at $2, uh, the Crusaders are the worst result with the amount of bets we're taking on them. They're sitting at $3. Too many injuries for me, Pops. Just too many. Mm, yeah, and, and look, we, we saw the, the first case of that on the weekend just gone uh, with their defeat against the Canes. Look, Chiefs uh, seem to be rolling nicely. They'll have some fresh players back for this weekend. Um, they really are sitting in prime position and pole position, uh, uh, the Chiefs, for t- Super Rugby 2023. Top man, Brendan Popwell, TRB. Thanks for your time, bud. Cheers, Steffi. or download the app. There's all the specials. There's all the boosters. Oh, it's it's a potpourri of delight. TRB.co.in. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? <laughs> Sammy, you've had Saturday, Sunday, Monday without me. Yeah. Three days of what's making news. Did you do one yesterday on King's birthday? No, not with Watto. Oh, wow. This uh, is going to be the creme de la creme. Watto was pretty intent on uh, doing whatever the hell he wanted yesterday, actually. Mate, I'm team. I'm team. I'm all about team. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, look, there has been a lot going on. Fair to say. Mm. Uh, a story that didn't make it in that I actually just saw before was that uh, a guy who played dead for 300 days <laughs> has just been uh, signed on to play a dead body in CSI. Wow, he must yeah. have got hungry. Yeah, 300 days apparently playing dead, and um, now CSI want him for playing dead in their show. I like that. So I like there that. There you go. It does, it does pay to be persistent. Uh, people in Japan. Um, now, you know how uh, sort of polite the Japanese are and, you know, how they... Yes, they Mr. abide, they yes, abide by Sam. the law. Um, so when it came to COVID and they decided that, you know, face masks were all the rage and everyone's got to wear them, they mm. they all put their hands up and said, absolutely, 100%, where do I buy, sir? Please, sir. How many boxes of masks, sir? <laughs> um, the problem is, Steph, is that for a few people, 
they've forgotten what it's like to not wear a mask. Right. So much so that when the government finally lifted its recommendation to wear masks in March, uh, Himiwari Yoshida was among many who realised they'd forgotten how to go about life without them, hadn't used their facial uh, muscles facial muscles much during COVID uh, and hired the services of a smile instructor. Um, Are you serious? Saying it was good exercise and will help them prepare to enter Japan's job market which is apparently running hot at the moment. Uh, Miss Kawana is the um, owner and the operator of Igauku literally translated to smile education and uh, she's seen a fourfold increase in demand following the uh, the mask mandate being dropped and uh, the one-on-one sessions they'll cost you around 7,500 yen which is about 45 pounds which is about 80 bucks so there you go but when I was wearing a mask I'd still smile yeah, if something was if you were happy or something funny happened I'd still smile but maybe you were doing maybe you were smiling differently you know maybe you were sort of just going like oh so they've taken their mask out. off and smiled at the side of the mirror and given them well, the heck of a frog as part of it people have put themselves in front of a mirror and realise that they look really awkward. I mean, maybe they just did that in general and they didn't know about it. Now they do know about it and they're getting lessons. In any case, uh, that's what's uh, taking Japan by storm at the moment. Um, an 82-year-old German man, and I don't have his name here, maybe he's got name suppression, but he's on his very last warning, okay? Very last warning by a German court um, after he was found guilty of drug dealing, and that is his uh, 25th conviction. <laughs> Um, he's he's a re- had 24 warnings. He's a retired seaman who said... Uh, well said, well said. Who said, <laughs> <laughs> who said he wanted to improve his meagre $855 monthly pension, euros, by selling marijuana. Um, he was handed a suspended sentence by a court in the northern town of Urich on Monday. Uh, German news agency DPA reported that prosecutors had asked the court to impose a prison term of 34 months in view of his lengthy criminal record and existing suspended sentence, but judges said they would make an exception, once again, and classify the latest crimes as less serious offences due to the man's particular circumstances and recent health problems. So, no, 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 no. 24 drugs charges, was it? And this is his 25th? Correct. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, selling marijuana, which uh, which obviously is illegal in Germany. Yeah. He's 82 years old, though. You know, you cut the man some slack or... Wow, and you can do worse things as well. That's true. And he's probably, you know, he probably has a little bit of for himself on the side just to get over the, the mm. aching knees and the sore joints. That is not good. Um, and why don't we stick in the Bavarian region Let's. and uh, talk about Austria. Okay. Because uh, an Austrian centre-left opposition party on Monday... Uh, reversed the result of its weekend leadership election, announcing that a computer error uh, led to the wrong candidate being declared the winner. <laughs> so you got a picture of this. It's the uh, Andreas Babler, the mayor of the town of Trachsen, outside Vienna, becomes the Social Democrats' new leader as the party tries to turn around its fortunes ahead of the national election later this year. At a party convention on Saturday, Hans-Peter Doskusl, the governor of the southeastern Burgenland province and a better-known figure to the public, had narrowly been declared the winner. But at a hastily called news conference on Monday, the head of the party's electoral commission, Michaela Grubesser, announced that it was in fact Babler and not Doskozil who had won, taking 370 votes to Doskozil's 280. Now, uh, the reason why they found out is that when they added up the votes, someone forgot to carry the one. There was there was one there was a vote missing, and then once they went back into the records, they found it all comes back to the Excel spreadsheet. Someone didn't. Uh, put the formula right into the Excel oh. spreadsheet. And you just got to think, in 2023, elections, governments, you know, trust issues, should you really be using your Excel to, to 
to, 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 to sort of uh, decide your election. So two things. Less than 600 votes. It's a small town. I was going to say that. It's probably the thing that stuck out to me the most. And the other thing, and this isn't a criticism, okay? It's an observation. Mm. Mayor. Yeah, mayor. Did I mayor. say mayor? You said mayor. Oh, I always say mayor. I know, and yeah. I don't know what's right, because I've only even known mayor. it as mayor. Now, we had this discussion before, mayor, yeah. Mm. Mayor, mayor. Mayor, mayor was from Mayor Quimby from uh, The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, big congrats to... Um, Andreas Babler. Yeah, Babler. Who is now going to be the, Let's mayor, get him on the, show. the mayor of Triskirchen. Triskirchen! Triskirchen outside of Vienna. And I'll uh, finish with a fact if I may. Please, Sam, um, please. What is the plural of octopus? Octopi. Yeah. Common misconception, Mark. Oh, um, octopuses. As, as, I, as I would have said myself, I would have said octopi was uh, was what, what the correct answer was. But uh, oh, I, I know what it's going to It's going to be octopus. No, no, it's what you're doing with the, with the octopi there is you're applying a Latin rule of pluralization to oh. a Greek to a word of Greek origin. Oh, um, that's my that's my yeah. Okay, and so so contrary to popular belief, the correct plural of octopus is either octopodes, podes, yeah, or octopuses. <laughs> but I think we'll stick with the former. Uh, or you can just keep calling it octopi. You know, everyone else is doing it. So octopuses why not? or octopode. Did you say? Octopuses or octopodes, yeah. Octopodes. octopodes. Never heard that. Octopodes, but then would, it, would that just mean that the singular is octopode? Mm. And then you have octopodes? I don't know. Um, not, can I'm I give you, while we're in the ocean, Yes. plural of fish is what? Fee. <laughs> Fishes. Well, if there's one snapper, it's a fish. Yes. If there's two snapper, it's fish. If there's two snapper and a gurnard, it's fishes. Oh, so if they're okay. same breed, it's, yeah. it's so there's there's a lot. If there's a big school of snapper, it's, there's a lot of fish. Yep. But if there's snapper, kawai, teriki, all in there, there's a lot of fishes. So as soon as there's oh. more than one breed, it becomes fishes. Gee, that's confusing. It's not really. Well, no, but it does make sense. Um, but yeah, I know fishes is other things. See, I wonder um, if it extends to sheep. Because sheep is sheep, whether yeah. it's one or a hundred, it's like, look at all the sheep. Cows. But if there's Romneys and another breed, I yeah. only know Romneys, <laughs> um, do, do they become sheeps? It's a good question, actually. I'll, we'll get to the bottom of that. Uh, can I just quickly tell you a story about Latin? Latin? Yeah. Go on. I've, I, I think I might have told half of this story before, but I'll tell you the back half. The, the, the first half is about how when I was in America, full immersion, I went into a Spanish class. I told you about that, right? And yeah. You know, the lady just, Santa and I was like, what the hell is going on here? So I went to the, to, off the um, classes sort of lady and said, can you put me in the class that speaks English? And she said, well, that's Latin. And I was like, put me in Latin. So I uh, sat in Latin, and it was funny because I was an 18-year-old, and I was sitting with a whole bunch of, like, 14-year-olds because it was their first year of school. And so I was 18 sitting alongside them. And um, I actually did pretty well in the first term because Latin is – it's just learning all of the finishes to the words. They just mean this means past tense, this means future tense, this means that. It's just a different ending to each word. So I actually, I sort of breezed through the first term. And then he's like, right, now we're going to start writing sentences. And I was like, okay, well, let's see how this goes. And so th- from the scale of zero to six, right, six is the, the top mark. That's an excellence. And I was getting like fours and fives in the first term. I quickly went from fours and fives to twos and threes. Mm. And um, the sentence structure thing was really getting to me. And then in the third term, there's only three terms, in the third term, he throws in this like, you know those 15 endings that we came up with? 
they're not really useful anymore because we do it like this. And so I went from uh, fours and fives to twos and threes to basically just ones the whole way across. And I, I'm not even sure if I passed that class, but it's, I, I started off loving it. I was like, man, Latin's really cool and you'd learn a lot about different ways. Now I hate it. So I just wouldn't re- recommend it to anyone, I to had, be honest. We had core Latin in third and fourth form at Boys High and we had Mr. Dewealy was yeah. our Latin teacher. Okay. Um, lovable madman. Just, mm. I learnt nothing. No. We just played games. We used to go out to the grass. And that's pick, how Latin should be done. Yeah, picked up all the grass clippings when they'd mowed the fields and fill our pockets. And when he was writing on the board, we'd throw it all on the floor in the classroom, go, sir, the grass is too long in here. And he'd just freak out. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That is how Latin should be done. Mm. Um, this is what's making news. We'll be back after a Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. I'm not a tough cookie with a long history. Got a long history, but I'm not a tough cookie. I'm not a tough cookie. Uh, Got a good hour coming up for you shortly. Talking about hit me with your best shot. We're going to be talking about the shots over there at Roland Garros, the French Open. Our man Brett Phillips, the SENZ tennis guru, he'll be joining us soon. We're going to revisit Show Me The Money also across the weekend. Uh, For the first time in a long time, I actually remember what I took. I remember what I took, can't remember what the others took though. So we'll revisit Show Me The Money, we'll have a look back in the day too. But my first day back this week, uh, of course we have to talk the NRL. Oh, fantastic game by the Warriors. Um, so we're going to go across the ditch and we're going to talk to Fox League's caller, the great man, he's entrenched in the game of rugby league, Warren Smith. And Warren joins us now, good afternoon. Hey Mark, how are you, mate? Very well. So many talking points every week, and they always change. Uh, Nathan Cleary, big concern for the Blues. Well, a massive concern when the, you know the team is pretty much built around him, and uh, he's got plenty of Panthers teammates in that New South Wales Blues team. And when you win a couple of premierships in a row, I guess it uh, goes without saying you're going to have plenty of representative players. Uh, at both state and maybe international level. But, um, yeah, losing losing the linchpin, the hub of the team, is a huge blow for New South Wales. Quite obviously, Mark, and um, now the question is, who takes his place? Is it um, Nico Hines has been in, in good form for the Sharks and was obviously in the team for Game 1. Uh, Adam Reynolds is back in the frame. Uh, Mitch Moses, who's played an Origin game recently for New South Wales, also filling in for Nathan Cleary. So... There are options there. It's a matter of, I guess, which style of play you want to go with. And, you know, if you want a solid, um, you know, general, uh, great kicking game, uh, good short attacking kicking game, I guess it's Reynolds. If you want a speedster, it's Moses. I guess if you want a bit of a blend of both, it's maybe Nico Hines. Yeah. Who would you say, like, Freddie Fittler, he's a very hard man to read. I always remember when he made them take their shoes off and walk around the ground to get earthed. <laughs> and ever since then, I've found him hard to read. Which way do you feel like he's most likely to lean? I don't know. Look, I think I think Nico Hines, because he was in the squad, has probably got the you know the, his nose in front at the moment. But I think maybe if they just want to, if if they get a, a a kicker like Reynolds who is you know playing great football and, and 
Craig Alexander came out just recently and said, like, I think Adam Reynolds is playing the best rugby league he's ever played in his career this year for Brisbane, and there's a reason why they're on top of the comp, and he's a massive part of that. Um, you know, he might be just the calming head and the, and the cool influence they need in a, in a cauldron atmosphere. I mean, they're going to Brisbane uh, for game two. They haven't won up there in, a, in this situation for a long, long time, but they have to win to keep the series alive. So maybe, maybe just maybe he comes from the clouds a little bit and, and snatches that number seven job. I'm, I'm leaning his way mm. just because I know, um, you know, he's, he's been there a long time now. Quite obviously, he's played in big games in finals for the Rabbitohs. He might lead the Broncos to a, a premiership, who knows, this year. Um, I, I, I would think Reynolds might just have his nose in front. Yeah, I'd be interested. It'll never happen. But if Sean Johnson was a New South Welshman, uh, they'd be tapping him on the shoulder. He's in rare form. Well, all of us in New Zealand are just frothing his performances. Give us an Aussie perspective on Sean Johnson and the Warriors this year. Well, it's just great to see Sean playing the football we know he's capable of. And, and you know, back home, full-time, uh, he's happy with his lot, obviously, in life at the moment. And it's, I think it's reflected... In his, in his football, and he's obviously on the same page as Andrew Webster, the coach of the Warriors, who's done a sensational job, obviously, over there to you know, turn around that team. But I just think he looks to be in a great place. You know, he's been he's at the back end of his career. There's no question about that. I and mean, he's got a choice to make because he's off contract, and uh, there'll be a couple of teams looking at him at the moment. But, you know, I, I'd be stunned if Sean Johnson leaves the Warriors uh, and... Um, you know, if he was, as you're right, if he was a New South Welshman, he'd be right there in the mix in discussions as to, well, maybe Sean Johnson is the player they need for, for game two in this sort of situation. So he's playing some great football and it's great to see what he's doing with the Warriors. Yeah, Defence is something that the Warriors have never been built on. They were known for Warriors ball, the razzle-dazzle, back to Ali Lautiti Day, Sione Farmawina, uh, Faliti Mateo, all these sorts of guys, but... I never thought I'd embrace defence as much as I have with this Warriors side. Um, I always look at them through rose-tinted glasses. What do you make of the defensive efforts, uh, Warren Smith? Well, Ivan Cleary came out recently when they played the Warriors and said, you know, this team has got Andrew Webster's fingerprints all over it. And obviously, you know, he was a big part of what they did uh, the last couple of seasons at uh, at the Panthers. And um, he said, just the work as the dog fires up here off. <laughs> Harley, would you shut up for God's sake? Get him behind, Harley. <laughs> oh, boy. He's all bark and no bite, let me tell you, mate. Um, but uh, <laughs> but um, now the Warriors have got plenty of bark at the moment, haven't they, as far as their defence is concerned? And you, know, you just have to have a good defensive lineup. And Andrew Webster, that was probably his first port of call. If you can defend, making. You're going to make mistakes at this level of the game if you can defend some of those mistakes, which the Warriors have been poor at in the past. I mean, you know, if they gave away a penalty or a set restart in the past, it was not wasn't a guaranteed six points against them, but it was very likely that was going to be the case. Well, that isn't the case in 2023, and they're to do what you do with the ball. So if you're confident that you can defend your mistakes, you might take those extra chances with the ball every now and again because you realise, okay, well, we can we can really test out the other mob. But if we do make a mistake, we've got the ability to back it up and defend our own line. So I think it, you know, it feeds into the other side of the game as well. I want to ask you about two more teams before we um, depart. First one is the Dragons. How do we, how do they fix the Dragons? Just such a proud, historical, storied team, great fans, but they are battling. 
Boy, aren't they battling? I mean, they seem to be at a low ebb, as low an ebb as we've seen for a club for a, a long, long time in the NRL. So um, I don't really know what the answer is. I guess the first answer is, you know, find a coach. Um, and they might be some way away from doing that because they've gone all in on Jason Riles and it appeared that he was, you know, all in as well until they decided, uh, no, I don't like the, the looks of things around here. Um, and he's off to Melbourne now to sort of be in, in the waiting line for... Craig Bellamy to finish his time at the Melbourne Storm. So what, who, who they take as the coach is obviously pivotal. And if they go with an experienced man like Shane Flanagan, perhaps, or Des Hasler, or do they go with one of the, the former players in the shape of Ben Hornby or, or Dean Young, who's up at the North Queensland Cowboys, it, you know, it could define the club for another decade because as the West Tigers have shown, like, you know, things can get away from you pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And they've been a bit of a rabble for, you know, five or six years now, the Dragons. And you, you can blink and look up and then suddenly it's 2031 and you still haven't made a final series for the last seven or eight years. And you go, well, how did that happen? But if you keep stumbling from a situation where you, you go through this cycle of coaches every two and three years and they get their chance and if they don't turn things around in that space of time, they're out the door. As the Tigers have shown, you can keep repeating that process for a long, long time. So... Yeah, I guess the, you know, they've got issues maybe at board level and they, they train out of a couple of bases. They're based in Wollongong mostly, but they're also a Cogra. Lots of things that aren't don't seem to be gelling for the for the Dragons now. Their sponsors are, seem to be uh, heading out the door as well. So a lot of things wrong with them, but the first port of call for them is obviously, you know, find a coach that they can build a team around for the future and I guess we'll know maybe who that is in a couple of weeks' time. It's, it's amazed me that Shane Flanagan has been in the coaching wilderness for as long as he has. There's no doubting his tactical now, his knowledge of the game. Now, I know there's a little bit of tarnishment on on his career, but, geez, there's a swag of players and coaches with that in their past. He's come out and said, I'm not going to be interviewed if you want me, sign me. Um, interesting stance for a man that hasn't coached for a long time. Yeah, it's true. I guess, um, you know, he's probably in a, in a pretty good spot at the moment. I mean, obviously, he's a colleague at Fox League. These two games have shown over the weekend. And you know, having spent a fair bit of time with him the past 18 months in particular, um, you, you know, you obviously know, boy, the, the fellow knows his footy. Mm. And he and he's obviously knows how to get a team to be a consistent winning team. So I understand his, 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 state, his statement and his, his position is like, well, you know who I am. There's no secrets here. Um, yep, sure, I bring a little bit of baggage. Having made a couple of poor decisions in the past at the Sharks, but you sort of think, well, you know, having been there and done that, you learn from your mistakes and he doesn't make those same mistakes second time around at a different club. So uh, if, I think if, you, if I was in charge of the Dragons, boy, I'd be looking very, very seriously at appointing Shane Flanagan. Um, Des Hasler, I think, is a a bit of a strange fit for them. He's very much a manly man. I don't know. Des is keen to coach again. I don't know really where Des gets that opportunity to coach again. And if you go the other way and take one of the kids in, well, not, they're not kids, but the younger coaches in Ben Hornby and, and Dean Young, well, you know, who knows? Uh, we've seen some assistant coaches who've been out of good programs and mm. they've struggled at the NRL level. So it's a bit of a punt there. I guess he's less of a, less of a punt, uh, Shane Flanagan, than taking a couple of the other contenders for the for the position, but, you know, I, I like Shane's coaching and I like the way he approaches his footy. He's a no-nonsense type. I think he might be good for the Dragons at this point in time. Uh, talking to Warren Smith, Fox caller for the NRL, the last thing I want to ask you about 
is the Cowboys. Now, for 20 years, I was a bookmaker, Warren, and they would be a nightmare, you know, like getting flogged by the Sharks, then beating the Roosters. They beat the Dragons. Everyone should do that. 50 put on them by the West Tigers um, and then beat the Storm by 25. They are such a – you take their pulse, you just don't know what you're going to feel. Yeah, I mean – uh, how do you set a market for the, for the Cowboys at the moment? Because they're Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, they just say one moment they're sensational, the next moment they... I mean, that 66 points they gave up to the Tigers, that was as an alarming scoreline as you'll ever see. And you sort of think, well, this mob can't possibly, you know, make the finals. And they, they'd showed a bit of form before that. They got themselves back into a position where you thought, OK, they're revving up. They're back to sort of near the team that they were last year. Having lost a couple of players in Hamas Hotabuai, Fido and also Tom Gilbert, I think, was a huge loss for them. But they seem to have uh, got it back. And then they, they throw in those couple of efforts and you go, wow, they're just they're no chance of making the finals. And they come out and do what they did on the weekend. So <laughs> I don't know. The, the good thing for the punters is they've got the bye this week. So if, you, if you're thinking about either laying the North Queensland Cowboys or having a red-hot crack at them, uh, they've got the bye. So you can't bet on this week. That might be a good thing for everybody, Mark. Yeah, I agree. Hey, Warren, always good chatting rugby league with you. My friend, um, really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us today over here in New Zealand. All the best, mate. Good luck. There he is, Warren Smith, uh, Fox Sport NRL commentator. Always good to catch up with him. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, welcome back in. Uh, we've just gone 20 past two. Now, if you cast your mind back last year, we did a number of series on the great initiative by Bunnings, who are all over the country. And the Bunnings Rugby Assist Program, I remember we had uh, former All Black Ian Jones in studio talking about how how rewarding it was for the teams. And teams can apply, or clubs, I should say, sorry, apply to try and get a grant from Bunnings and the Bunnings Rugby Assist. You can nominate your club at provincialrugby.co.nz, then a forward slash Bunnings Rugby Assist. Just go to provincialrugby.co.nz, there'll be links there how to do it. So we thought what we'd do, we'd get one of the recipients of it last time on, A, to find out how did you bloody win, and B, what did you do with the coinage? So we are very privileged now to have on the show from Wainuamata uh, Rugby Club, he's the club captain, uh, sorry, she's the club captain. Yes, Wainu Master Rugby Club. Moana Kuma joins us. Moana, kia ora. Kia ora, how are you? I'm brilliant. You live in a beautiful part of the world, don't you? Over the hill there. I do. Absolutely do. But I need to apologise in advance. My voice is just a bit dusty. We had a karaoke at the club Saturday. <laughs> and my um, couple of sad deep, my and the Beyonce came out. So oh, I lo- um, I'm just really... <laughs> You prepared to give us a couple of bars, even though you're a bit crusty? Oh, no, 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 Sabs today, so unfortunately. Oh, the single um, ladies, oh, the single ladies. What song was it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll park that. We'll park that, Beyonce. Yeah. Now, I, I was talking to Ian Smith earlier today, and we fondly remember going to the Wainuimata Club. I think it might have been a... Um, 
I, I can't remember what the occasion was, but myself, Grant is, but Tony Johnson, Ian Smith, we're now there. It's such a welcoming club. Uh, it's just fantastic community spirit there. And you applied for a Bunnings Rugby Assist Grant last year. You won it. Can you tell us what you did uh, with the money? Uh, I can indeed. So basically we just had, it was a male's toilet. I mean, there, it was just a long urinal uh, with a one cubicle of a toilet at the back mm. so obviously we had to walk past the men to get to the toilet <laughs> at the back to use the bathroom so we've just we had us more space to work with in the beginning but the 30k grant that we did one uh win sorry was um was fantastic we've been able to make make it just more private a toilet for the females and the males um we've kept them happy we've just got one of those small little urinals at the back <laughs> and then we've been able just to put some partitioners up because our showers were an open shower um, and so now there's just more privacy for the ladies when um, our women's rugby team is playing at home. And it's amazing what a difference of having your own space when it comes to feel like they actually care about us at this club. You, you must have seen the smiles. Oh uh, yeah. Definitely, um, and that goes throughout our grades as well, not just our women, but um, we also have an indoor gym, which our changing rooms attached to, which a lot of our tamariki use for their training. So it just um, lets our younger female children feel comfortable enough to use the bathroom facilities as well. Um, and there has been a really good uplift within our community, um, especially our ladies, but just really the men that have been um, behind it supporting us all the way as well. So um, it has just brought us all together as a community, just a bit more. Yeah, and the rugby club in Wainui is is a fantastic, as you say, a hub of your community. I think Wainui's been around 75, 80 years in the men's. How long have you been involved in women's competitions? Uh, I think we've been in since it might have been... Maybe the early 90s women's um, rugby started at our rugby club. Um, and from that, a lot of women, after retiring from rugby, have come back and sat on the committees and everything else. So, yeah, it has been a long process with our women's rugby. Um, I guess you could say it has been kind of like that Pantene said, remember that slogan with Rachel Hunter? Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen overnight, <laughs> but it does happen. <laughs> I love that, Moana. We're talking to Moana Kuma, the Wainui Yamata Rugby Club captain. Um, at your club, like, can, can you just give us, the, the listeners on here now, about, about the vibe? Like, I love that you had a karaoke night there last night. It's more yeah. than just rugby there at your club, isn't it? Oh, it is, um, especially... When times are tough, I'd say these days with COVID and everything else, I kind of made a, a lot of our members and community feel a bit isolated when we had to go into lockdown. Mm. So just having our um, commute, having our clubs there, just celebrating other events. So we also celebrate weddings, 21st, uh, everything else. So off the field. Um, is really important to us more than on the field as well. So we're not really, I'll be honest, a results-driven club. Mm. We're more a community club. So just making sure we're looking after our youngest player would be two years old in our nursery grade, and our oldest player in our WAGS team, which is our golden oldies, is around about 
80 years old, so we've just got to make sure we can cater for all. So we, we definitely have diversity at our club. I don't know who I'd want to watch more, a two-year-old playing footy or an 80-year-old playing footy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And the excitement is still there. It's the same, that twinkle of rugby in each player's eyes when they just hit the paddock or hit the field. So, I mean, rugby's a unique sport. But, I mean, if, again, if we didn't have programs like um, Bunning Assist to help us, because we're not, we're not, I'll be honest, we're not one of the richest clubs in our province, hmm. but um, we're just rich another way. So we're just, you know, rich in the Makitanga and rich in community, absolutely. So the Bunnings Rugby Assist Programme, I love it that they help out clubs like you. Now, you're probably not allowed to win it again, Moana, so can you give the listeners yeah, yeah, out unfortunately. there, can you give them a bit of insight into what sort of things do you put in your application? Like, I reckon just be real and be honest. So what what do you think it was about your application that allowed you to for Bunnings Rugby Assist Programme to go, yep, we're going to help that club? Um, exactly what you said, just being real, um, just giving a really good description of our toilet. Like, it was so dark and dingy. It was like, I just put in there, I'm pretty sure Freddy Krueger lived in the back toilet cubicle because it was just that scary. You know, with those pipes and his hands would come up and his fingertips would scrape the pipe. So I just used that part and just honesty, um, the change it would make for not only our club, but just other clubs surrounding us, just seeing what a difference, just making a slight change can do to an actual rugby club. And when you put um, in the and when, yeah. you, when you put in the application, did you think you'd you'd win it? No, do you know I had it was due at midnight. I reached out to a couple of the ladies, one Gail, who's the premier manager. And uh, one's another lady that does a lot for the club by sitting on the other side of the bar drinking a lot. But she has a lot of stories to talk as well. So we had about five minutes to go before the deadline. And so we just submitted it. Again, a couple of saves deep because we were at the rugby club. And, um, yeah, I mean, we honestly didn't think we were going to win it. Um, and when we did, oh, it was just amazing. Um, the publicity we've had around it as well just makes us more prouder to be from our club. So, um, yeah, it's just a really good thing, not only for our club, but absolutely for Wainuamata. Oh, well, I'm so pleased Bunnings Rugby Assist uh, helping out the community clubs because without them, I wouldn't have had this most enjoyable interview I've had for a long, long time. <laughs> Moana, you're an absolute champion and you really do speak and fly the Wainuamata rugby flag high, the, the green, black and white. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much, though. Thanks again. Cheers. Moana Kuma, rugby club captain at Wainuiamata Rugby. What an absolute delight to have a chat to. And that's the difference that it makes when you just get a little bit of help from the great folk at Bunnings. So uh, just go to provincialrugby.co.nz. If any of you are tied up with a rugby club or you know someone that is, tell them to go to provincialrugby.co.nz. They help clubs create more welcoming, inclusive facilities for their communities, not just their rugby teams, as Moana pointed out, for their communities. And I know there's so many, and it's what the great game of rugby is built on, um, 
I've been to Wainuiamata Rugby Club. It is fantastic. You, you know, think think about the players that have come out there, like the superstars, the Mietialara, Piriwepu, um, Umaga Jensen, all, all of these players. There's, and there's so many more women's players as well. Um, but it's community-focused. So big thank you to Bunnings Rugby Assistant. And thanks to Moana for, for coming on and telling us about the Wainuiamata Rugby Club. Fantastic stuff. Great stuff. We'll take news. And after that, we're going to revisit how our investment went last week. Right, let's dive deep, Sammy. Let's dive deep. I'd rather not go that deep. Okay, let's um, dive shallow. Yeah, let's just get in. Okay. Okay, let's get just dip the toes. Get in. Get in there, Lance. All right, so four-leg multi. It's a four-leg multi. I think it's safe to say we went probably the most conservative we've ever gone. It was only paying out a couple hundred. I went longish. Um, I went you went longish. longish, yeah, but the rest of us got very, very timid. And that started with uh, what... Well, someone clearly thought it was going to be a comfortable win for the Crusaders over the Canes on uh, Saturday. Who was that? Wasn't me. Okay. And the final score at Sky Stadium in Dane Cole's last appearance on his beloved home ground sees the Hurricanes 27, Crusaders 26. That was the caller. Is that because they thought the Crusaders were playing the Hurricanes, whereas, in fact, they were playing the Hurricanes? Oh, are you one of those people? Very much. Hurricanes. No, I'm not a kin. Oh, you're not a kin? I'm a cane. Oh, man. Gee, you talk to some of the radio sport boys about that. Mm. Um, that was the caller that made that call. Um, the next one was uh, Kai Carter France, and I do feel bad for... Uh, was it Kez who picked this yeah, one? Yeah, I do too. I do feel bad for him. For the winner, by split decision... Did they boo? Well, it looked like there was no one in the crowd. Well, when they made the decision, I don't know, but yeah, it almost looked like a COVID event. Um, but that didn't come in, so I'll just give that a. Uh, and then we go to the NRL, and well, it was the tip of the round, staff. It was easy. It was money for jam. It was free money, they say, and it was the Melbourne Storm to beat the Cowboys. In Sunday footy from Townsville, what a win for the Cowboys. They have won. <laughs> they haven't just won. By a thumping margin, 45-20. It's the biggest score run up against Melbourne since 2003. Yeah, a twenty-year hiding. I was and just going to say, yeah, not, it's, it's not like they lost. It wasn't like I'm on the ground. You kicked me down because they lost. It's like, hey, let's like remove his clothing, throw him to the curb, you know, put him into a trash can, and send me down the street. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which brings us to pick number four, which was the Fijian drawer to beat the Queensland Reds. Me. My pick. Um, applause. Something. Oh, that's, that'll do. It's as good as applause. <laughs> One, one from four. One and, from four. And might I just add as well that uh, Stephen Beaver Donald went four from four on Friday. So we are, uh, yeah, we've got mercy. some work to do. We've got some work to do. Mm. We've got some work to do. Our harness horse won, though, just by the by. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes. So there's a, there's a positive for you. And someone just texted through that Phil War to be named Australian Rugby CEO. Great, great choice. Great choice. Right, we will take a quick break. On the other side of this, the new Crusaders coach will join us live, Rob Penny, after the break. Uh, whenever I get confused about rugby, Ken, he's the man with the finger on his pulse. Rugby Ken, Staffy, 
JP, didn't he say Roth was going to be president of the ARU? <clears throat> Probably. <laughs> so Joe Roth president and Phil War CEO. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Staff, was it Pops for the TAB catch-up? Yes, it was. He kept saying Alcatraz instead of Alcaraz. I was cracking up. Did you correct them off here? I was cracking up too because he said it the first time and I thought, oh, that'll just be a um, verbal typo. And then he did it again and I just didn't have the heart. I didn't have the heart. I was going to play on a pun just so he looks like he's got it locked up, you know, put him in the cell, throw away the key. It's interesting, Stefan. Good afternoon, by the way. Oh, just uh, Lewis sitting, has in, in. sitting in for Sammy for a little bit. Um, Rob Penny, if you're out there, we are trying to call you. Thanks very much. I know you're a big <laughs> listener of the show. Uh, that Alcatraz comment, actually, uh, BP Pop said that to us last week when uh, when when Stephen Donald was butchering uh, Nikola Jokic's name and was calling him my man Novak Jokic. <laughs> And so he had he had he had Novak Djokovic playing scoring fifty points for the Nuggets, and then uh, BP had Alcatraz winning the French Open. So, oh, that's just beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, 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 indeed, indeed. And, and I said the US Open was this week, but it's the Canadian Open this week. I actually made another cock up earlier today. I love the correctors. I I, I love being corrected. It's not it's not one upmanship to me at all, at all. Mm. Uh, just on the US Open from a golfing standpoint, today on the run home, we're going to relive Michael Campbell's 05 oh. in our Tuesday time machine, going down the uh, the streets with, with um, the raucous, raucous crowd cheering on Tiger, a hole ahead of him. Can you imagine what emotionally he was going through? Listening, and you know, I think Tiger got in within a shot at one point. Um, Cam- Cambo ended up winning by a couple, but he'll always have that. Campbell will always have those two weeks when he was the best golfer on the planet for about a two-week stretch. Bang on. I was really lucky to interview Michael Campbell when he came back to New Zealand after that um, after that sojourn of success that he had. I was so nervous. And the funny thing was that I'd played a little bit with him. I played a little bit of rep golf, nowhere near that standard. <laughs> no, and I said, "Hey, I said, hey, Campbell, remember I got paired with you for the, I got paired with him for the third round of the Lawnmaster Classic in Palmerston North, and he um, he'd had a bad round, and I'd had my best ever round in a tournament. I think we'd both shot seventy four. God knows how I shot seventy four, but I got paired with him and Stephen Scarf. I said, "Oh, remember that?" And he goes, "Ah, oh, mate, sorry, I don't." Just sat me on my ass. <laughs> And then I went out and shot 89 or something in the next round. I mean, like, he's probably played with 20,000 golfers, so yeah, you know, yeah. probably doesn't remember that one. <laughs> and it was a wee while ago when he was an amateur. Yeah, it was a wee while ago. When he's now, I see Sammy coming back. I can tell you what he was doing, people. Um, he's teed up, and I think it's been confirmed that tomorrow on Running It Straight, the warrior of warriors, Dallin Watene. Lionel Richie Zalesniak will be on running it straight. Can you confirm, Sam? Can you confirm? Can confirm. You've just had to run out, got Brad in to constantly rig Ron Penny, uh, Rob Penny and not get a pickup. Um, so thank you, Thanks, Brad. Brad. Thanks, Thanks Brad. Appreciate Great it. stuff. Thank you. Stuff. I'm here all six. He is here all six. Yeah, so I'd look, um, the team are travelling to Sydney tomorrow, so there's no uh, there's no hiding the fact that I've had to pre-record Dallin for tomorrow. Uh, but a great chat, man. It's a good chat. It's a real laugh. He's can, a top He's a top human. Can you? Yeah, I remember <clears> last year, and I was doing sideline for the Warriors for yours and Kempe's commentary, and all through the game, I was just watching him because on TV, the TV follows the ball. Mm. And Dallin was on the right wing and I was on the right touch. And I'm watching him. The whole game, 
he is screaming and yelling at his insides, where to be, who you yep. got. And whenever the ball came out, he's got his hand up. He wanted the ball, wanted mm-hmm. the ball. And I'm just like, and I remember I crossed up to you guys and I said, boy, they've got to get it to Dallin with tennis. He's going to leave the field in a hissy fit because he's not getting the ball. And when he gets it, there's no soft carry. There's no just a possession. There's no take a hit up. No. He's full noise. One of my favourite yeah, warriors at the moment because of how much energy he brings to the team. And uh, I actually asked him, how's it been this year? With the with so many shifts in the centres, you know we've had so many injuries with Aviliami, Rocco Berry, um, you know Montoya was in there for a moment. It's, it's how's that been for him having because it's such an important inside man to have. And he talked about Josh Curran on the weekend. And he said um, the first thing um, Josh said to him when he came over was like, "Bro, you just got to like tell me what to do, you know, tell me where to be." And he said, "Bro, I got you, I got." And it, yeah, I I'm just imagine him screaming at him the whole time. Yeah, but no, it was cool. And I, I, t- I obviously asked him about his hair. So you want to tune in for that? Yeah, don't uh, tell is me. Is it natural? Is it not natural? Is it a perm? Is it not a perm? What products does he use? How does it all work? I even asked him, is it aerodynamic? And he'll answer that as well, Steph. It's hydromatic. Yeah, and uh, I also told him about the new nickname we've got from here, here Dallin. Here Dallin. Well, it was Ear Dallin, and then someone tweeted and said, surely it's here Dallin. Mm. So it is here Dallin. Um, and he didn't mind that. Uh, but also talked a little bit about his past too. Obviously, uh, the, the great-grandson of a very, very famous rugby league icon and Steve Watine, who was the first Māori captain. I believe he was the first Māori in parliament as well. Oh. Um, or it could be he was the first Māori rugby league player in parliament, but he was one of those sort of elk. Very, very a famous in rugby league. Yeah, very groundbreaking. And he talked about how he wears that legacy when he plays. Um, He's such a proud man. And also, hey, here's a cool one. I don't know if you knew this, but where does his, where does his name come from? The Zelezniak. Well, why is it Wateni Zelezniak? Well, Wateni because his grandfather. Father. It's an interesting story. Zelezniak. Can you get... Um, it's Polish. Oh, it's no, Polish. I'm, I'm not, not the heritage, but how he became to be Dallin Wateni. His brothers aren't Wateni Zelezniak. Oh, jeez, yeah. you are sending out the teasers. Are they? Little, yeah. What do you say? A little bit of salt? A little, little bit, bit of, of salt. A little bit of salt, maybe a little bit of... Uh, more of a garlic salt, actually. Oh. More of a garlic salt. It's, a, uh, it's vibrant. It's fresh. It's exciting. It's invigorating. It's effervescent. Speaking <laughs> of garlic, so I'm a big fan of flavoured salts and herbs and spices. Yeah, and absolutely. So the other day, I bought the old all-purpose seasoning, mm. right? So, and I'm I'm a new convert to air fryers as well. Sure. So I had my what was it, three or four chicken thighs, best part of the chicken, mm-hmm. and in a bowl I put some olive oil, um, bit of onion powder, bit of garlic powder, and this all-purpose seasoning, and I put a lot in. <clears throat> It's coming back up. <laughs> yeah, it is. I didn't realise that this particular all-purpose seasoning is about 99% salt. Oh, referee. And I coated it Oof. Uh, lovingly, lavishingly, Yep. and then cooked it and took the first bite. And Is that why you're in hospital on Saturday night? I OD'd on sodium. Yeah. A Happens. sodium trip is I'm not I'm dehydrated good. hearing that story. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's still good. But use about ten percent of what I thought because I was th- I was thinking it's like a mixed herb. You would it's think like that. a All Moroccan purpose, you'd seasoning. Think that. You'd think that. Yeah, it's just orange salt. What is your favourite herb, by the way? Oh well, uh, fresh or dried? Um, take your pick. Let's go fresh. Um, oh, I've got so many. Mm. Look, it's going to just divide. pick out three. Pick it's out three. Go- okay, mm-hmm. coriander. <laughs> it's going to divide a nation. And I understand some people are predisposed that Cilantro. it tastes like soap. Yeah. Because that's the taste bud mm-hmm, thing, and, mm-hmm. and I feel sorry for you because I do yeah. love it. Because I love Thai cuisine, 
in Thai cuisine, any salad, um, coriander, lime, and chili. Mix mm-hmm. it all up. Happy days. Papaya salad, best best food in the world. Sure. Uh, next one. Um, big fan of fennel. Okay. Bit eclectic. But Fen- fennel seeds and give me some um, garam masala any day of the week. Wow, you've gone for – those are very – I'm very basic. My, I'm You're oregano. Parsley. No, oregano. I love oregano. I think that just goes oregano. with everything. Oregano. Um, I love thyme. Very pungent thyme, mm. and you don't need a lot of it. Throw that in there. It's it's the thing that's guaranteed to go. We're always losing thyme. Yeah. So take and it. basil. Oh, basil. Those three. Big fan of basil. Yeah. Pesto. Yeah. yeah. So those um, are my three. If you, can you tell me anything else about running it straight tomorrow? Don't tell me any more, Dallin, because I, I love listening mm. to it. Um, it's you and Kempi. That is me and Kempi. We'll talk about that. No, no, we'll just do our usual uh, Wednesday show. Obviously, we had State of Origin last Wednesday, so we'll just talk through the game on the weekend and the oh, game. coming up. I didn't get up. a chance. I told them right at the start of the show, uh, Nathan Cleary. Mm. Now Cam Murray is under a cloud as well. Mm-hmm. Nathan Cleary potentially big. But I think if he'd had a blinder last week, uh, there'd be more concern. But he was average last week. No, and I, I think I even said to you, why not? If you were free, you know, you're like Ian Foster, you're going to lose your job if you lose anyway. Why not just throw in <clears throat> um, Cody Walker? And um, who did I say? I said Cody Walker and... Oh, Dylan Brown? No, no, Nico Hines. I think I said put Cody Walker, Nico Hines, um, put Dylan Edwards at fullback, put Damian Cook at number nine. Like, just throw caution to the wind. Yeah, and, correct. Yeah, and then put um, Campbell Graham in the centres. Yeah, hope he doesn't pick a New South Wales team to limit fallout. He's got to pick a team he thinks can win, and surely well, that's he what will. Billy does. That's what Billy does. I mean, Billy had no problems dropping Dane Gagai and Caelan Ponga, so you got to you got to be that ruthless. So when is the next Origin? Uh, not next Wednesday. The Wednesday after twenty first. So tomorrow fortnight. Correct. Too long though, isn't it? Too long between drinks. Mm. And Warriors this week have got Canberra Raiders in Canberra. Yeah, Canberra, and they're comfortable underdogs. Uh, the Warriors? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's because it's Croker's 300th. There's going to be a lot of emotion there. It'll be, it'll be a sellout. Um, what's the stadium called there, Canberra? Well, it used Park. to be Bruce. It used to be Bruce Stadium back in sure, the day. Brucey. It's probably not that. Is it that 1,300 miles? 1300? No, that was Townsville. That was the oh. Cowboys. Yeah, ring-a-ding-ding. Uh, Pumpers the King, Jimmy Cassidy. Love that man. Um, we're not far away from the run home. I believe it's Kirsty. I believe it's Easter. It is Stephen Donald in shorts, looking very laconic. Don't miss the next three hours. They're going to celebrate Cambo's US Open. I will catch you tomorrow.